welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos. Today we have a special on the social justice series, and we will be talking about autism awareness. Have you heard of neurotypical privilege? If you are on the autism spectrum, you almost certainly know about it. Tonight, Jake and I will be talking about autism and neurotypical privilege and about how we can be all sensitive, respectful, and inclusive of people on the spectrum. First of all, I'd like to say welcome to my partner in crime, my dear friend, Jake. How are you today? Hey, Laura. I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I'm, uh, it feels like it's been forever. Though we keep seeing each other <laughs> quite often, but we haven't done one of those in a while. Uh, and thank you for those who listen to the rerun that we have to put on in July. But we are back here in August. And um, how you been? How's the summer been treating you? I feel like the summer is almost over and it's sped by. And, um, you know, I've seen you a couple of times at Circle events, and we're both working hard at those, and so we don't have a lot of time to hang out, um, but um, it's been a good summer so far, and I'm looking forward to things yet to come, and yeah, I guess that's it. I'm always happy to be in this <laughs> podcast space with you, for sure, and have these conversations with you. Awesome. So today we're talking about autism and people in the spectrum and awareness. And when I was growing up, we all saw this movie, and yes, I'm gonna to totally show my age, I'm 49, uh, Raymond, right? Raymond with uh, Tom Cruise and Al Pacino. Was it Al Pacino? I think D- Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, I always confuse the two of them. Um, and it was this uh, movie about this super smart, gifted person that has autism and most of the people in my generation grew up believing that everybody who is autistic is going to act like the character on this movie which is obviously not accurate and then even the term itself has evolved and changed and now people refer to it as being on the spectrum rather than being functioning autistic or autistic and I am not the person to speak about those definitions do you know a more accurate definition that will speak better to what it is and it is not being on the spectrum sure I mean I think people talking about autism being on a spectrum condition is being a spectrum condition or being on a spectrum is really helpful I think it points to um, the fact that there are Um, certain challenges um, potentially that um, might be common among people who have autism or or are on the spectrum. 
Um, but that being autistic will affect people in different ways. And there are certainly a wide range of differences um, between people who are autistic. Um, people who are autistic or autistic people can have a whole range of personalities and intelligence and verbal and speech abilities and medical and mental health circumstances and other gifts and strengths and difficulties and challenges just like people who are not autistic, um, <clears throat> but, and people of any race or ethnicity or class or gender or nationality <coughs> or religion or sexual orientation or any of those things, any age can be on the autism spectrum. Also, um, it does feel like maybe there, I don't know if they're just um, a sort of different understanding about the autism spectrum. Um, or just more wide discussion of it, but it does feel like it comes up in common discourse more often. Um, maybe there are more people these days who are sort of coming out saying, I'm not neurotypical, I am on the autism spectrum. Um, we have seen some movies and television shows, um, you know, since the Rain Man that feature a whole array of people um, on the spectrum or autistic people, um, you know, just having their lives and maybe the show is about or heavily features the fact that they're autistic or maybe it doesn't and they just happen to be autistic and one of the characters, which I think is really helpful. Um, but, you know, we can talk about what some of the common features of autism are and frequent and common strengths of people who are autistic. Um, if you like, but um, I also think it's really cool that there are tons and tons of web resources these days, <clears throat> um, sites that are made by and about people who are on the spectrum, autistic people speaking for themselves about the lived experience of autism, because um, that just feels super important to me. Um, there is one really big organization and maybe lots of others um, that is maybe one of the most prominent organizations about autism that's actually made by and about and from the perspective of parents of people with autism or not people who have autism talking about autistic people, which I think is really unfortunate and it coincides with all kinds of um, sort of negative to atrocious practices and understandings there are about autism. So we can talk a little bit more about that too, if you like. And, but the thing, the first thing that I wanted to ask you also, because we use terms as neurotypical, neurodivergent, and then neurotypical privilege. So can you just tap in case, because people might not have heard all of our podcasts, we have talked about these definitions before, but can you give us a little reminder of what is to be neurotypical and neurodivergent? Sure, and the whole idea or construct of what neurotypical is, is sort of a misnomer because <clears throat> humans are incredibly diverse in so many ways. And one of the ways that we're incredibly diverse is how our neurology works. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, despite that, like lots of other things that get sort of homogenized and normed around human existence and human expression, there's this idea that there are certain 
um, ways of socializing and perceiving the world and expressing yourself and uh, processing information and things like that that are normal, that are within normal limits for how a human brain is supposed to be wired and function. Um, and that's, you know, considered neurotypical and people who are able to sort of navigate the world and cope okay with what those norms and standards are, who are not perceived to be different than the norm, <clears throat> the norms that there are about those, those people might be considered neurotypical. But there's many, many ways that we process information differently, that we um, manage, um, perceive and manage stimu stimulus differently, um, ways that we are different in, in how we use and receive language, how we communicate verbally and paraverbally and body language wise, all of that stuff is sort of culturally constructed anyway, or heavily um, affected by culture and many other um, factors. Um, <clears throat> but there's lots of ways that um, society has sort of built itself to reinforce the idea that there are certain, you know, acceptable ways to navigate the world with regard to those things, like, you know, the way we socialize, the way we use language, the way we manage information and sensory perceptions and stuff like that. And um, historically, oftentimes um, the way people with autism were treated was they were subjected to various kinds of strategies, including this really common one called applied behavioral analysis, I think it is, ABA, um, that ultimately <clears throat> is a system of um, sort of training people to try to mask the ways that they are not neurotypical and to try to behave as if they are neurotypical. Um, and there are lots of other ways that society sort of polices people who are outside the norms in terms of race or class or gender or things like that, sometimes quite brutally. Um, and that's true also of how it works for autistic people or how it historically has. And there's still um, lots of organizations and practitioners and parents and school teachers who are really hell bent on trying to sort of train autistic people to pretend that they're not autistic and to not do some of the things that the world might read as neurodivergent or different in some way. That is true to such an extent that when we talk about what's common among people who have autism, um, it's really impossible to separate what are common features of autism and what are features of trauma plus autism. Um, because trauma is so common among autistic people. Um, and you'll see me using interchangeably using person first language, people with autism and using identity first language, which is autistic people. Um, you, I use, I've been using those interchangeably, but um, autistic people tend to be one group of people who prefer identity first language. And so it's more common potentially to hear people refer to themselves as I am an autistic, I am 
an Aspie, or I, you know, which means that they have Asperger's, which is maybe a terminology that's not as in vogue these days that um, is or has been used for people on the autism spectrum historically. Um, so I don't know if I answered that question, um, but if you're considered neurotypical, it means that you function in a way that the world sees as, as normal. And obviously we don't always know how someone's <clears throat> processing information, how they're um, receiving stimuli or reacting to it because some of us are really good at masking how we be, you know, how, how we function um, if it's not the ways people around us are functioning. Um, others of us either are less good at that or are less willing to do it. Um, I certainly have a lot of gratitude and admiration for people um, who, you know, any, anybody who is sort of speaking from the margins to the sort of norming police of the world and saying, that's not really me. So I'm not gonna pretend to be like you just to make you more comfortable. But part of neurotypical privilege is that the world is sort of set up by neurotypical people to pretend that there's certain things that are normal ways for people's brains to function and stuff. Um, and the, so the world sort of teaches us skills to navigate that kind of world. Um, but it doesn't teach us skills to um, navigate a world where people are more diverse. So if the world sees you as neurotypical, <clears throat> you might not have developed skill, skills to understand and deal compassionately and productively with people who the world doesn't see to be neurotypical. You might find yourself confused or uncomfortable when someone needs to be especially concrete with their language, for example, or when someone is doing stimming activities, which is a kind of self-stimulation that um, lots of autistic people do to sort of help them regulate their own interactions with their bodies, their neurology and the environment. <clears throat> There's lots of different kinds of stimulation that people will do. And again, stimming is one of those things that get sort of shamed and bullied out of autistic people um, that they get pathologized for. Although recently you see a um, uptick in um, fidget toys and coloring and other kinds of things that autistic people might always have wanted or needed, um, but were not allowed to have because it was considered neurodivergent, but now, now that neurotypical people are saying, I would like to keep my hands busy during this meeting, um, you know, it's less pathologized or la less judged or whatever, um, but that's all part of sort of neurotypical privilege to never have to even think about it and to not have to develop the kinds of skills that you might need to navigate a world um, or a situation with someone who is different in the way their neurology is. And you know, I, I don't speak for everyone who is Mexican or from Latin America or any other countries, but it always fascinates me in a surprising way and not necessarily a positive way, how little to no exposure we have in our Latin American countries about 
neurodivergency. And of course, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and it was even less seen or less, uh, I love this word that the younger generations utilize, normalize. You know, normalize seeing people with anxiety and that it's okay. Normalize people with, uh, you know, who has paranoid uh, thoughts and ideas and it's okay. Or normalize that people sometimes have intrusive thoughts and that is perfectly okay, you know. But growing up in the 70s and 80s and 90s in Mexico, uh, people who are not neurotypical were hidden. So we have even less exposure and there is more of a force of um, neurotypical privilege that forces people who are neurodiverse to mask and to hide. So I am fascinated to live in these times where everything is almost bringing, is brought out on the open and that we, we have people such as yourself, Jake Bradley, and other folks who are uh, willing to have the time and space and emotional labor to educate us and to let us learn how to be our best ally. So you were talking also about resources and, and websites and ways to help people. Um, I don't know if you have anything that you can share with us about that. Yeah, I want to tell you about some websites that I have found super helpful. Um, I think it's I mean, I am not perceived by the world to be neurodivergent, although there are many things about me that are definitely not neurotypical, um, including that I have dyslexia um, and a variety of other things I can share. But I still think it's really important that we get our information about um, any particular thing from people who identify and, and are perceived to fit that definition. Um, this is the nothing about us without us principle, right? Um, that is especially relevant to and, and sort of formed by um, people in various disability communities. But um, some of the websites that I'm aware of or sources for information that I think are especially helpful are um, there's, um, and, and for whatever reason, a lot of these that I found were in the UK. Um, I don't know, Laura, if it's true that Mexico was especially um, scarce with sort of awareness or resources. I think, you know, the wider world probably did a lousy job of um, helping anybody know that there was such a thing as autism or neurodivergence up until somewhat recently. And there's still some really antiquated and negative messaging happening now. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most prominent organizations, which is Autism Speaks is not, it's not by and for people who have autism, autistic people's um, parents and other organizations that are sort of really bent on eradicating autism from, from humanity are the ones in charge of that, but the, that's one of the most prominent organizations these days. And it's still, you know, they still advocate to try to force autistic people to, <clears throat> to blend in and to try to be sort of cured of their autistic traits or whatever. But some of the sites that I know about are 
Um, there's the National Autistic Society of the UK. Um, there's a um, site called We Are Like Your Child Blogspot. There's the Autistic Self Advocacy Network or ASAN. And um, another couple, <coughs> autisticality.com and the Autisticats. Um, and uh, a Thinking Person's Guide to Autism and Asperger Square 8, all one word. Asperger Square is letters in the number eight. So those are some of my favorite sites that I've looked at more recently to try to get more information. There's some really good stuff on YouTube, videos by people talking about what it feels like to have autism, either in a world that's trying to get rid of their autism and them, or, you know, people who have a different experience where there's more support for them and more respect for them. Either way, there's still lots of really good stuff from the voices of autistic people on YouTube, which I would encourage you to check out. Um, but the main thing that's important is, you know, autistic people are the experts in themselves and in what it's like to live as an autistic person and they'll let you know what they need and what works best for them in terms of, you know, how they navigate the world. They may or may not, autistic people may or may not fit your stereotypes or the prevalent stereotypes about what it looks like to be autistic. Um, there's some more recently some, um, you know, television shows and stuff that may or may not be helpful. Um, but in general, I would encourage people to, um, if you're <coughs> looking for a TV show, for example, to find out what autistic people say about that television show and find out how many autistic people are involved in writing the show. And if the actors don't have autism, then probably that's not a show that you should get any information or entertainment from. Um, because just like, you know, lots of other things, probably even more so than lots of other things, you don't want a white person acting as an Asian person in a movie, and you don't want a person who is neurotypical portraying an autistic person in a television show. So, um, you know, find that out before you pick a show to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like with every other, um, show that we've been talking about allyship with this and that and the other uh to remind folks that one type of person or one way of being is not a monolith right that there is diversification within the neurodivergent person personality i guess um that not every autistic person is the same and also correct me if i'm wrong jake but also not to try to extract labor from them if they're not willing to offer it. Uh, let me rectify. Wait for them to offer, if any, about their um, neurodivergency or ask politely. And if the answer is no, I'm not going to tell you, then move over because uh, we have the World Wide Web at our fingertips and we can investigate there. And not every person is open to talk about their personal life, you know? It's like, 
asking a person on a wheelchair, like, why are you on a, well, why is it any of our business? And some of these things are not visible, obviously, like with autism, not obviously, sometimes, I guess, it doesn't fit the um, stereotype, I should say. So not asking questions that are uncomfortable or disrespectful, but if the person is open, you know, I, you know what I've noticed, Jake, um, at least uh, with, with people that have difference on, I follow one TikToker that um, was born without their hand, two of them actually. Um, and they talk a lot about their uh, different abilities or the different body and they're very open about it. And they always say, you know, if you ask politely, we might answer you, but if you come with an attitude, we're not gonna answer you. I think the same applies to everything that will be labeled as being different. And I don't think autism is the exception. Absolutely. And I think in general, we count on people to tell us what we need to know <clears throat> to respect them and to you know, navigate whatever relationship or interaction we're in with them. And then we believe and listen and respect them if they share something that they need. Um, but other than that, you know, unless it's, um, you know, your friend or there's lots of discretionary time or whatever, um, other than that, you know, we're not asking people to answer questions to educate us. We're doing our own education, you know, and, and since there are some really good sources like that, that's makes it easier now than it used to be for sure. Um, but you know, there, <laughs> you don't necessarily know who is on the spectrum and who isn't, and you shouldn't go around saying, oh, I, I bet know. you're autistic <laughs> to someone because that's another kind of neurology policing. Yep. And you know, there could be a gazillion ways, reasons why someone is <clears throat> behaving in a way that you don't understand or differently from what you would project should be happening. Um, and it, it may or may not have to do with them or you or something about them or whatever. Um, in general, a thing that I'm trying to learn to do more and more is to just be self-reflective, self-aware and curious. And if something's happening and I don't understand why someone is <clears throat> saying or doing a thing that they're saying or doing, instead of making assumptions or judging or pathologizing somebody, just remembering, you know, there's however many billions of people on this planet. And in some ways, we're all exactly alike. And in some ways, we're all alike in some, some aspects. And in some ways, every one of us is completely unique and not like anybody else or whatever. At least that's what I believe. Um, and so the point being, just remembering that it, there are all kinds of people in this world and, um, you know, I'm going to behave in ways other people don't understand sometimes. Other people are going to behave in ways I don't understand sometimes that may be to do with some tangible difference between us or not, or the mood we're in or who knows, you know, whatever else. But hopefully remembering <clears throat> that there are legitimate reasons and ways that people might be different from each other um, that's not just, you know, about people's moods or styles or whatever can help me hold things lightly 
and be more patient and more compassionate and less judgmental with myself and other people. Um, and to be more patient and compassionate with myself is a, is as big a step for me often as it is for other people, strangely. Um, and a thing that um, I have to be reminded by, by my partner sometimes is when I let myself do something um, that is sort of more true and consistent with my organic way of functioning and don't apologize for that, as long as I'm not like actively hurting somebody or whatever, um, that's just sort of making more space for diversity in the world. And so for example, when I'm able to name that I have auditory processing issues and have a really hard time in a noisy restaurant or bar managing any conversations with anybody, if I'm willing to say that out loud and be patient and compassionate with myself, um, then that makes space for other people to affirm and remember that we're all different. And some of us love to shout over other people for a conversation and can make that work. And the rest of us are just gonna look blankly at you and like, wait, do I have to know what you're talking about now? You know? Um, so also, you know, it helps me remember um, that the world is not out to get me, you know, like I have this way that I'm like incredibly sensitive to the noises that people make when they eat or breathe or really anything else, like incredibly sensitive. I've been known to be sitting in a movie theater and just kind of privately want to kill all the people around me. And I obviously wouldn't, um, you know, what I more likely want to do is just yell at them or storm out, which I've never done and I'm not going to do. But, you know, when I sit there and I think, okay, I have this, you know, neurology that makes this really hard for me. It's not that everybody in this entire movie theater are absolute jerks. Um, it's not that they all <laughs> deserve to like be yelled at by me. It's just the thing that's inconvenient about how my functioning is and I have to make a choice about whether I want to go to a movie or not or how close I'm going to sit to someone else knowing in advance this is a problem for me and it's my problem and I need to know it and own it and take responsibility for it or whatever yeah. um, because other people don't seem to be nearly as upset about how people eat their popcorn as I am you know I and Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm just in awe because I we've known each other for so long and we never talk about this. I have the exact same experience. Um, I Google it and what I come up with is called misophonia. And I don't know if it's the same thing that you're talking about or not, but it sounds the same, pun totally intended. And it is such a natural tendency to want it to hurt people that are doing the noise that sent you there. Mine is chewing gum. Yeah. And when I hear people chewing gum really, really loud, loudly or popping it, I just, I, what I have resort to do is I remove myself immediately because I know it's not going to stop and I know it's going to make me angrier and angrier. And that is something that has nothing to do with our personality, with our sense of compassion, with our sense of loving each other, with our sense of loving ourselves. It's just how your brain processes the sound and it triggers something that is it's probably out of space or out of place. Because I totally understand when you say 
I feel like screaming at them and probably kill them because I've been there. I have the exact same auditory thing and it, it's just amazing, right? And you'll never know because it's not something that you can see. So I have to agree with you, Jake, and remind everybody, compassion be begins with self. You know, be compassionate to yourself, be compassionate to each other. This is not an apology to um, messed up, but to understand that we all going to mess up. You know, that part of being open to um, embrace difference is the risk of running the risk of messing up one time and maybe saying the wrong thing or asking the wrong question or the uh, out of place question or comment and that we all going to do it. And, you know, we can learn from it and then move forward. So um, as per usual, you come here with all this spitting truths <laughs> and, and teaching us how to learn things. Is there anything else that uh, we need to hear from you today, Jake, before we go? Um, <clears throat> I guess I would encourage us all to Google a list of neurotypical privilege and um, you do your own check-in about your own self-inventory, your own self-awareness. First of all, it might make you aware of some things about yourself that you that the world didn't teach you so far about how you're not, in quotes, typical. And the whole idea of typical, in quotes, is nonsense. Um, and secondly, it will remind you of how much you benefit from the world that is set up for, you know, to propagate this idea that there is such a thing as neurotypical um, and it's sort of set up to benefit um, and make sense for certain particular people and I'm I'm definitely one of these I mean I just griped to you about things I have trouble with but if I didn't tell you those things nobody would know them about me they definitely would not be particularly compassionate to me if I yelled at somebody in the movie theater for example <clears throat> but because I have the capacity and various other kinds of support in my life, I can make myself um, manage that particular situation. And I'm not likely to yell at anybody in a movie theater, but someday somebody's going to yell at somebody in a movie theater because they either don't have the skills to self-regulate or they don't have the motivation to, for whatever reason, or um, you know, the capacity or whatever. And that person's not a bad person. They're not a worse person than I am. They're just a person who has a hard time with how people eat up popcorn or how it, you know, processes in there between their ears and their brain or whatever. And, you know, sometimes some people cannot cope as well. Um, and we need to have compassion about that too, and not just sort of rely on our own privilege as people who can get along in life and be perceived as a normal and good person just because we don't you know have a meltdown in a crowded shopping center because we can't handle the all the noise and chaos that's there for example um or because you know we can laugh when somebody's sarcastic near us instead of being confused and admitting out loud that we don't know what the heck the person's talking about or whatever which are you know, some of the things that people with less neurotypical privilege are struggling with all the time, 
you know, that, that it's harder for them to be able or willing to mask ways that they're different. And so then they have to take the, the flack from the world um, for not, um, you know, what's the word, the C word I'm looking for, not complying with norms or not blending in or capitulating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I am very grateful as always for you and your wealth of knowledge on all these hard to speak topics. And as always, thank you so much for doing this social justice series here on Lunatic Mondays. And um, I will see you obviously next month. So let's see what topics, I don't know. We haven't had the time to sit down and see topics, but we can promise you we have good topics. Uh, We talk about uh, indigenous peoples and we're gonna be talking about um, Latinx personalities and persons and discrimination and that kind of stuff towards the end of the year. And we will come up with other things because there's always room for more social justice in this world. Thank you so much, Jake Bradley, for being here. I leave you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience. And if you, you know, have ideas of things you want us to talk about, hit us up. Um, Let us know what do you want us to talk about? Um, You know, what things do you feel like the world needs to hear more about? What questions do you have? And so on. Um, you know, allyship is sort of the name of the game with our social justice series. So that's kind of the frame that we're coming at everything at. Um, But thanks for making this time to learn about the world, to learn about people who are the same as you and people who are different from you and how to set aside the ways that the world is a little bit easier for people like you and make more space for people who are different from you that's what the, that that's what this is all about um and thank you so much laura for your partnership in this effort um inside and outside this podcast and i'm excited to meet you again soon for our next conversation thank you everybody thank you jake obviously and thank you everybody for listening and don't forget that there are over 800 hours over 800 hours of podcasts that you can listen to on the CSNP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. And until we see each other again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. And thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connecting the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CSN Podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.